Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hand. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. In our never-ending I Work For Him desire to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and especially the biblical ways that will challenge the way you think about your faith and work today, we're talking about transforming prayer. And oh my, is this going to be an awesome discussion. We've got Stephen Coney and Dana Hardy in here they in my in my office, my round table office, talking about transforming prayer. Gentlemen, Thank you for coming on the I Work For Him show. We are honored. We're blessed indeed. It's our pleasure to be here. (laughs) I hope you feel that way at the end of the show. We appreciate Uh, your enthusiasm. Well, I have a fair amount of enthusiasm. Let me just read a scripture for us. Matthew 6, 5 through 8 says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone sees them. I tell you the truth. That's all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you. That's the closet. And pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will, re- will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on and on as people of other religions do. Do they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again? Don't be like them, for your heavenly father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Gentlemen, we're talking about transforming prayer today, and we're doing that because of you, Stephen. You know, you, you were a listener of the show before I ever met you and, you, and you reached out to me and said, Jim, let's have a cup of coffee. And when we had a cup of coffee over at West Shore Panera, you said, Jim, there's this book. 
You gotta get this book. Your wife works at a bookstore, doesn't she? Yes, she does, Stephen. You gotta get this book, Transforming Prayer by Daniel Henderson. And I said, okay, I'm gonna get the book only because you said so and because you took the time to reach out to me and I really appreciate that. But I don't always appreciate when people recommend books to me, Dana, just because I'm always 30 books behind because my wife works at a bookstore. (laughs) And there's so many fantastic books on faith and work and so many things about faith that I wanna read and I wanna talk about on the air. But you told me to read this book, and I and I, when I got the book, I said, "Okay, let's schedule you on this. Let's schedule you on the air, because I know that if it's impacted your life so much and Dana your life so much, people need to hear about this." And so I started reading the book, and and, and in all honesty to my audience, I made it three quarters of the way through, but I got the most of it, and there's still some practical application in the back I still need to put in place. But I understand. So today we dedicate the show to transforming our prayer lives. Because that doesn't it doesn't matter where you are, we're always supposed to be conversing with our Heavenly Father. And you guys said you'd like to open up the, the show with a conversation with the Heavenly Father, so take it away. Thank you. Lord, we enter into your presence today with thanksgiving, and we thank you today for who you are. What an awesome Savior we have. Lord, we come seeking your presence today. And, Lord, we go beyond your gates into your courts, and we lift up your name in praise. We thank you for what you've done, what you are doing, and what you will do. And, Lord, we bless your precious name. Amen. And, Lord, we uh, want to thank you for Jim and, Lord, for Andrea, Lord, and, and for Jim's wife, Martha, Lord, and for their ministry that they have here and ask you to continue to bless this. And, Lord, we just, again, thank you for the privilege, the blood-brought privilege of us being able to come before your throne of mercy and grace to know how much you love us and care for us in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. So here, here before we get into this conversation, because it's so important, I, I really want people to first hear. I got two. I got two business guys in, uh, in my roundtable, and Andrea's listening, so she's she's got it on record. How is Jesus Christ making an impact on your lives today, Danny? You first. All right. Well, the first thing is, is we don't know everything there is about prayer because we're a work in progress. Okay? <laughs> well, okay, okay. Right. That's a given, and everybody knows that. Well, well, yeah. But a lot of people think, well, if I could pray like him, well, you can. You can pray that way if that's what you want to do. So what we found is most people were all Bible and no prayer or all prayer, no Bible. And then all of a sudden, Daniel Henderson says, wait a minute, why don't you pray the Bible? So there's nothing we can't pray in the Bible. Right. Sounds like a good suggestion, Leviticus doesn't it? Leviticus is tough, though. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Leviticus. Yeah. I think the first 10 chapters of First Chronicles might be a little rough, actually, except well, for that Jabez prayer thing. Well, all right, but talk. you're, you're jumping. How's Jesus Christ making an impact on your life today, Dana? That's what I want to hear. My, oh, my listeners today. need to know, hey, I got real people here whose lives are still being impacted by Christ years into their walk with him. All right. 47 years in the electrical business. I'm also a, a neighbor. I've been, I mean, a, a native around this area. I've been around here forever. And uh, the impact was is that back in 1961, I went to a Billy Graham rally, and I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that Christ was my Savior. Now, Fast forwarding to, you know, 2015, what am I doing? Well, I retired two years ago. I'm working in men's ministry. I work in marketplace ministry because I work with a program called My Hope Billy Graham, and we're out here. And I have an awful lot of people still that were in the electrical business that I'm connected to, and they want to know, how's your life impacted? And so that's this is what Steve and I talk to them about. Stephen, how about you? Well, you said today. Today, uh, I've been praying through this year the uh, Old Testament names of the Lord. Today, this very morning, I lifted up Jehovah Tiskanu, the Lord our righteousness. I trusted the Lord 38 years ago because he became my righteousness. 
2 Corinthians 5.21, For the Father hath made the Son, who knew no sin, the Lord Jesus Christ, who bore my sins upon Calvary, that I might have the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I praise him today for who he is. I praised him every day since uh, 38 years ago. Tomorrow I'll be praying Jehovah Kis- uh, Kadash, which mm. is the God of holiness. Mm. So I rotate these names, and each day it brings a fresh dimension on my prayer life. And how, when you studied the Old Testament, because I've often thought about that, and of course Daniel mentioned it in his book, how many different, I mean, people go, well, how come God has different names? Well, they just describe the attributes of God. They describe who God is, Man. and one word can't do it. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's got just a first name and a last name and a middle name. He's, he's got all these, how many in the Old Testament, because most of us read it in English, and it says Lord. Right. Yeah. So how many names are there in the Old Testament? Well, let me ask you this. What no, is no, no, the, I asked you the no, question. No, no. What is the fourth word in Genesis 1? In the beginning. In the beginning, God. God, Elohim. Mm-hmm. And what you'll find is he gradually, progressively introduces himself with a single name. At the end of Genesis 4, though, we call men begin to call upon the name Yahweh. But you get to Genesis 14, Abraham uh, meets Melchizedek, who's a priest of El Elyon, the Most High God. So then God starts using the compound names because he progressively reve- reveals himself to us. This is going to be our sequel lesson that we're to mm-hmm. our, the one we're doing now. But there's over 165. That's unbelievable. And most of those have never been, I've never heard a sermon on the 165 names of God. But I'd like to. Right. So if my pastor's listening today, go ahead and work that up. That'd be a couple of years of sermons. Yeah. Well, what was interesting was we started reading the book back in 2011, 2012, going on in there. And Steve got passionate about it. And while I was in the middle of the book, then I found out another book, was, which was Praying the Lord's Prayer for Spiritual Breakthrough. Now, I, I had been raised as a kid. In fact, I'm old enough that we actually prayed the Lord's Prayer in my elementary school. Wow. Did okay. you read it? Was it in one of your readers no. that you actually prayed? No, you did it from memory. On wow. that, you know. And the thing is, is the Lord's Prayer, there's so many people, you can say it about nine seconds. Our Father, I blah, 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 blah. You know, it doesn't mean anything. So what we do is... I missed we, the blah, blah part when I was growing up. I missed we, that one. We, we take the part where you can take the, the all of the parts and pieces, the adoration, the confession, the thanksgiving, the supplication, and we, we have 12 rooms that you can go around. And so sometimes we talk to different marketplace businesses that want to know how they can share Christ in their, in their workplace and how to teach people how to pray. It's obviously optional, but we go around and do that. And so you can actually take the Lord's Prayer and spend an hour praying the Lord's Prayer. A lot of people can't pray for an hour, okay? But when you develop this process, you want to. And then the other thing for me is I start praying before I even get out of bed, okay? I'll just wake up in the morning. I say, Lord, I want to praise you and thank you. I got a blanket over me. I got a bed. You know, I got a home. I've got these things. I've got a job to go to. I've got ministry to do today. And then start saying scripture as you're going. I'm not even out of bed yet. So it's just a habit. It's a lifestyle that I've developed. Mm. And it is it is powerful. And really, that's the encouragement we want to offer to people today is that your prayer life applies to every minute mm. and every second of every day. And it's and it's a, and it's a learned thing. And the best way to learn is from being around other people and praying with other people. I mean, the, the, the way I learned to pray conversationally with my Heavenly Father was, first of all, I learned that he called, you know, he was friends with Moses. So if he was friends with Moses, he talked to Moses like a friend. Moses talked to him like a friend, which that's hard to imagine. But 
But okay, then I'm going to talk to my Lord as a friend. But I've had a. I always have to try to visualize something when I close my eyes so I don't get distracted because I get distracted easily, as some people really know. But but praying, God's not impressed with big words. He really just wants to hear our hearts. Because he already knows him, but he wants us to hear admit him, hear us admit it. Okay, mm-hmm. Stevens just bursting; he just can't wait to say. Okay, so Dana, you had forty-seven years in the electrical business. Stephen, you still run Coney Benefits Group. Yeah, my son and I, Josh, uh, run Coney Benefits. We do benefit consulting, and um, we like to say that we've got a benefit plan that's out of this world. <laughs> and uh, we will go in, and they allow us. We'll say, "Can we tell you about our benefit plan?" Okay. We've got a plan that will pick up every pre-existing conditions, even before President Obama required it. We've got a plan that's guaranteed issue. Everybody can be taken. Unfortunately, this is a plan that the premiums are so high, nobody could pay. But the great news is somebody's paid the price for it. You don't have to. So we kind of worked the plan of salvation into doing our benefit plans when the employer is a Christian and he or she allows us to do that. Mm, how often do you get to do that? Uh a couple of times a month, yeah. I love to do it at my doctor's office, too. When I go in, I'm switching my insurance plans. Stephen, you have a new insurance plan? Sure I do. Can I tell you about it? Hmm. And I go through my, and this is a Christian doctor's office. He wants to be a guest one day. That would be great. Hmm. But uh, she says, just give me your card. And I said, no, I want to tell you about my plan. <laughs> All right, so listen, Dana and, and Stephen, you guys, this book. Okay, Stephen, you found it first then. Yeah, the Lord, here's what, he, if I could give you the backstory. Yeah, absolutely, you can. Yeah, what happened was in 2000. And this book we're talking about, Transforming Prayer by Daniel Henderson, and that's the book we're going to give away right after the next break. But read the tagline, how okay. everything changes when you seek God's face. A lot of people seek God's hand. They want him to do something, but they don't want to know who he is. Mm-hmm. That's what Stephen and I learned from this book. Yeah. All right, I apologize for interrupting, but I want to make sure we reminded people what we're talking about. Okay. In, in um, my wife's works at a uh, Christian school in Tampa. And she was asked to consider doing a devotional on the Lord's Prayer back in uh, May of 2010. So I read a lot, so she asked me to kind of find some books. I love Warren Wiersbe, so I found his book (laughs) on the Lord's Prayer, R.T. Kendall, uh, just a a lot of them. And your your wife, Martha, would love Dana and I as customers. Mm. We're too far away. We can work that. Oh, come on. She can. But anyway. I can deliver. I, I'm I am so easy to buy for at Christmas because I go to the bookstore, I pick out my books, I take I give them the coupons, I make my list. And December of two thousand ten I went into the bookstore and I saw this book. After I'd already been reading Elmer Towns Praying the Lord's Prayer, which is great. That's the book we decided on. Started and one great thing about a bookstore or retail is that you could glance through the book instead of ordering online. So praise Martha for having that ability uh, in her store. But I started, when I saw this tagline, everything changes when you seek God's face, and I read, I glanced through the first pa- couple pages. I've been journaling since two, uh, 1987. I've had my list prayers. I wasn't seeking his face. So. You were seeking his hand. His hand. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, but no disrespect. I made him a spiritual Santa Claus. Lord, mm-hmm. you, this, 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 and this, and these are good things to pray for. So. I, I, my dilemma was, do I buy the book or not? Because I already had a lot of books on there. And I noticed that Elmer Towns had done the endorsement on the back, and I said, thank you, Lord. Took it home, like you, Jim, I have a, a, a stack of books. I didn't get to it, but when I finish a book, I, I date it. I finished this book 3-3 of 2011. 
I called our friend, Pastor Mike Kahn, who's now executive director of the Tampa Bay Baptist Association. We've been praying the scriptures back uh, with Dana and Mike once a, once a week early in the mornings. I said, Mike, this is, this is something. So from there, the word started to put in our heart. There's got to be something different. We've got in studio today Stephen Coney and Dana Hardy talking about the book Transforming Prayer. And you go, Jim, come on, this is a workplace ministry show. Of course it is. That's why we're talking about prayer because we need to seek the Lord in our pray in our prayer lives about our workplace and what does He want us to be doing there and not asking for it. Well, we're gonna. I'm not gonna spoil it. But this is the point: is we need to learn how to really pray to our Heavenly Father, especially when we're in our workplaces, but about everything from the minute we get up to the minute we go to bed. But it's time for our book highlight segment brought to you by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. So you'll have to wait for a few more minutes to hear from these guys. Karis Christian Books and Gifts have been part of the Largo community for almost 30 years. Located in the center of First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks on Ulmerton Road in Largo, their 2,400 square foot store is open to the public seven days a week. Do you hear that, gentlemen? Seven days a week, you can go over there and shop there. No more excuses. Check them out online at shopcaris.com that's shop c-h-a-r-i-s dot com be the first person to call into the studio line today at 855-265-2929 or 855-265-2929 and we'll send you a copy of the book we're highlighting today which of course is transforming prayer by daniel henderson dana you said you had a short explanation i do and we knew that this book was exciting because we started highlighting in the credit section up front okay <laughs> that's always a good indication it is and steve and i both highlight and we underline and cross over but one of the things is is what is worship-based prayer worship is the response of all we are to the revelation of who god is okay worship-based prayer seeks the face of god before the hand of god god's face is the essence of who he is god's hand is the blessing of what he does God's face represents his person and presence. God's hand expresses his provision for our lives. I've learned that if all we ever do is seek God's hand, we may miss his face. But if we seek his face, he will be glad to open his hand and satisfy with the deepest desires of our hearts. Mm. Mm. And that's what we're going to talk about today, seeking God's face and not seeking his hand and learning how to do that by transforming our prayer lives. Again, you got to get a copy of this book, Transforming Prayer by Daniel Henderson. Call into the studio line, 855-265-2929. And remember, you need to read this book. I don't think Hollywood's making this movie. All right, welcome back. We're live and in studio with Dana Hardy and Stephen, Stephen Coney. Okay, Stephen, you said you had another section you want to read as well. Yeah, can I go on with my backstory? Cause it's, well, of course uh, you can. Yeah, thank you. Uh, after I got the book, okay, I kind of got mad at God because I got so <laughs> excited about learning this that I signed up for Daniel Henderson's um, Strategic Renewal Newsletter, the author of this book, and found out that April the 24th of that year, they were going to take a group to Brooklyn Tabernacle to do a prayer summit to learn all about this. I was excited. I'm trying to figure out how Steve can get up there without my wife. She's working, and to keep it simple, maybe I fly up for the morning, come back that day. <laughs> they do it on a Tuesday because that's when Brooklyn Tabernacle prays, and they want you there. And if I had done it the way I wanted to do it, I would have missed God. In God's grace and mercy, three weeks later, I got an email that they're going to do their first event in St. Petersburg with Daniel Henderson and Jim Simboa. Um, most of our pastors from Ottawa went. 
took some pastor friends with me, changed my life. Been there since, and they have another one coming up in March. And that's why we're talking about transforming prayer, because honestly, religion is never going to change your life. Your relationship with your Heavenly Father is going to change your life, and that happens through transforming your life with prayer and really transforming how you pray. Well, you know, when you talk... <laughs> and as we're getting back into this now, Dana, I interrupted you as we got to the end of it. What were you going to say? Well, the content, your, your show, I work for him. So why, why in the workplace should I pray for those I work with? Well, one of the reasons that I am saved is because the man who introduced me to the electrical business when I was 18 years old, his wife prayed for me as one of his employees. So we should always be praying for those in authority over us, those we work for, uh, other people in our businesses that we may not be able to share with all the time, but we need to be praying for these people so that when usually when they have a problem they'll come up to you and they'll say hey can you pray about this with me but they wouldn't share with anybody else so they know who's praying and so oh, we need to be praying and that is true and that's the most powerful tool in the workplace right. is to pay attention to your co-workers and your employees and your bosses yeah. to see what the regular demeanor is and in those days where the demeanor is different you go hey you doing all right yeah i'm fine really freaked out insecure neurotic and emotional <laughs> yeah yeah how did you know Hey, well, what's going on? And then you say, hey, would it be all right if I pray with you about that? That is the most powerful thing in the whole world. It's awesome. Okay, Stephen, you wanted to read. I, I, walked, well, just, I walked into a workplace uh, Monday doing their benefits plan, and the receptionist who knows me said, hey, how are you doing? She started to cry. And I said, no, we'll have a meeting. We'll, we'll do this. Ten minutes later, she came back when I was meeting with the owner, and she said, Stephen, can you pray? with me. My my niece died eight hours ago. Mm. I need prayer. Mm-hmm. She's asking me to pray in the workplace. The owner's a Mormon. I looked at him and he said, go for it. Praise the Lord. So we prayed right then and there. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd like to read uh, from this book a little testimony, very short. Dixie was a longtime staff member at a Baptist church. Through teaching, modeling, and the willingness to learn, she moved from a request-based, list-based praying to worship-based praying to seek God's face. She elaborates on the first time she made the discovery. What I experienced was fresh and new to me. I would say amen. I became very aware of the Lord's presence in the midst of worship. Amen. He filled me so full of himself and loved on me. He caused me to hunger for more of him. Amen. I knew I wanted to be clean in his presence. He shone his light on me. I needed to confess. I gladly gave myself up. He just continued to pour into me joy, peace, contentment, and eagerness to worship him more. Now get this. Dixie testifies, I have not been the same since. My personal and corporate times of worship are much richer and sweeter. I now know the real meaning of romance with Jesus. And get this, guys. I don't just love him. I'm in love with him. Mm-hmm. Now, February 14th in a couple of weeks, if we go to our wives and say, I don't just love you, honey. I'm in love with you. Big difference. There is a big difference. And when I we talk about it all the time on the show about being your life being impacted by Christ. People who truly have an encounter with Christ, the, the scriptures document it. Nobody who really who met Jesus was ever the same again. And that's what we're talking about in transforming prayer is really getting to know the Savior and our Heavenly Father. And when you do, your life will never be the same. Amen. All right, so let's let's get practical on this because we, we it's a radio show. They can't we can't go through the whole book and we're running out of time. Let's get practical. What does this look like? Dana, start us off. What does it look like? Well, you're talking about like if you wanted to start with the Lord's Prayer. Well, I just started talking about what transforming prayer is really all about. Let's go. Exactly. Pattern. Go ahead, Steve. No, you do the pattern. Don't start arguing. Just get out (laughs) and start talking. You're talking about 
uh, the, uh, when when you again when I was growing up as a youngster, uh, your mother made a pattern to make dresses. Okay, mm-hmm. well you didn't make just one dress. You might make a long dress, a short dress, short sleeves, long sleeves, different material. This is a pattern. You can make lots of different ways of doing it. There's not one way to do it. Do it your way. But the main thing is is to pray. Yeah. Okay. And what happened was in 2011, I have a dear doctor friend at Moffitt, and he invited me over to he, he sponsors a lunch for Christian doctors second, third-year medical students. He said, Stephen, you got 47 minutes to, pray, uh, to teach us. What do you want to teach? And I said, on the Lord's Prayer. That morning, the Lord gave me different rooms that are either medical or hospital. So this is how you could use a pattern to, if you're going to be in the workplace in a medical setting. And the Holy Spirit gave me in 20 minutes all these rooms. So for example, our Father who art in heaven, the Lord told me to call that room the waiting room. Now, I want to tell you, Jim, when you go to the doctor, there's two waiting rooms. There's the waiting room in the general area that we're all in. And then they tease you, and they come back and take you <laughs> to the back. And then they, they weigh you, take your blood pressure, and stick you in another room to yeah. wait. But that second room, when you're going to see the doctor, is like spiritually getting before God the Father. That's like your because, closet. Well, yeah, because he's going to ask you questions, and we're going to ask him questions. That's the intimacy. And most believers are seeking God's hand. What Gimme, gimme. Gimme, gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy. Yeah. That's all they say. Hey, let's not pick on guys named Jimmy. Right. They're seeking God's hand rather than his face. So when we're in the second waiting room, we're going to have that intimacy. And you were sharing with me about praying for that lady at 2 or 3.30 in the morning. I journal, but I suggest to people that don't journal, which is fine. Take a plain piece of paper when you come before God in the waiting room. And you say, Lord, today... Forget my list. Lord, today, who do you want me to pray for? What do you want me to pray for? How do you want me to pray? Because Dana and I, some days, never get past this first room. We just glorify the Lord. I want to stop you guys for just a second, because I want to keep this practical. You keep saying to seek God's face instead of his hand. Explain that specifically so people understand. They They may not understand that. Okay, because you're playing scripture, okay, here's it is. When I When I'm praying, I talk to God. But how does he talk to me? He talks to me through Scripture. So when I'm praying Scripture, he's talking to me while I'm praying. It's an ongoing process. So I get into Psalms. I get into Proverbs. I can pray anywhere in the Bible. Like Steve says, Leviticus is hard. But (laughs) there's four life-changing prayers of Paul, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, Colossians 1, Philippians 1. I think there was a fellow who wrote a book. There's 650 prayers in the Bible. Okay? So you can find those prayers. And you could go back and just pray back the Lord's Prayer, kind of like number 6, 25 and 24. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May he give you peace both now and forevermore. That's a prayer, and I just prayed Scripture. So, All right, so then, you, what, but what it means to seek his hand, because you're saying we're making the mistake of seeking his hand, that's when we're just asking for things. Hey, Lord, can I have, yeah. you know, can you take away this pain in my arm? Can you, uh, can you give me that new job? Can we, can, what, are you, what are you talking about? Well, when I come to him and say, Lord, I want what you want, now I, that changed my wanter. Okay. Now, when I tell him I want what he wants, and he's like, okay, well, I want you to go through these circumstances and this situation or this job change, you're like, okay, Lord, as long as you're with me, I can go through that. But if I'm thinking it's me on my own, then I'm in big trouble because I can't do it. I had an amazing youth sponsor in high school. His name is Mike Gunderson. He's still he's a uh, missionary still in, in South America and other parts of the world we can't talk about. And he, when, when we were learning through the scriptures and Jesus said, hey, ask whatever it is in my name and 
uh, it'll be given unto you. And I just mispronounced that. I didn't quote the scripture exactly. And I'm like, sweet, that is really cool. And he goes, no, 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 no. Let me just understand. Let me help you understand this. In accordance, that meant in his name, in accordance with his will. And it has taken me, that was 1982 or 83. It's taken me 30 years to understand that when I'm praying, it transforms my will. Mm-hmm. My, I am transformed by my conversation with my Heavenly Father. So I no longer ask for the things that I want. I ask for the things He wants. And those are the things He naturally wants to give me. So I'm praying in accordance with His will. And of course, He's going to say yes to those things because that's what He already wanted for me. Right. And we so have it's not, a great it's not like this magic. It's not like this magic thing. It's not a magic trick. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Well, then after I did the did the waiting room, the, which is going to be practical, the next room we go to, hallowed be thy name, reverence his name. The Lord told me to call that the ICU room. Now, you watch me. I, point at your eyes, see you. We see your glory. So there, we will just pray the Lord's names back to him. I love Psalm 145. I will magnify the word. My God and King, I will praise your name forever. My lips will lift your name up today. You're greatly and greatly to be praised. So we just, we go to the different rooms and pray the scriptures back to him for him because of him. Give him praise. Not only that, with it being a pattern, you don't just do this one time. You could do this six or eight, ten times a day. So you go through and sometimes you might just spend time just hallowing his name and never get to the part to where you say, give me. Okay, we're just so much. I have a friend in India. He starts out a prayer and he can go for about 15, 20 minutes. Lord, I just want to praise you and thank you. I just want to praise you and thank you. And he just goes on and on and on. And there are so many people who are saying that, but they haven't thanked God for what they have. Why should he give you more? Well, and God already knows what we need. And that's where most people are really misunderstanding. You know, when we confess our sins, we're just learning to agree with our Heavenly Father of the sin that we've got in our lives. And when we're when we're making supplications that people say, you know, it's we're we're asking for things he already knows we need. I mean, that's the least important. I mean, Jesus said, listen, consider the lilies of the field. Even Solomon in all of his splendor was never dressed like one of these. and, and, And there today they're in the field. And tomorrow they're thrown into the furnace. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Right. So, seek first His kingdom, and all of these things will be added unto you. Well, you know, one of the things that Stephen wanted to mention too was when it starts out, "Our Father in heaven." That's the family room. Okay. Well, what Stephen wanted to make sure today was that people that are listening, are you in the family? Do you know Christ? Can you call Him your Father? Amen. Um, so the next room after the ICU. Well, that would be the prep room. Lord, prepare us today to serve you today where we are. Uh, but I want to make a side point. Another great book, Grave Robbers by Mark Batterson. That was a, a very has, good has, book. One of my, my, my favorite clause in there, my favorite sentence is, God will not answer 100% of the prayers we never pray. If we don't pray it, we don't give him a chance to say yes. So does he want us to ask? Absolutely. That book was a lot easier to read than this one, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> it is a very good book. Came out late last year. Very good. Very good book. Mark Batterson. Yeah. He's a good writer. Okay, so we, we had the ice. Now we're in the prep room. And then uh, what else? Next room is the exam room where I imagine ourselves going and being spiritually examined by the Lord. Lord, am I in your will today? Am I loving you with my heart? heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then we go through and we'll say, like, Lord, today, are my eyes being used by you today? Right. And Are my hands and, and my feet, you know, my ears, am I hearing the things I should hear? But on the eyes, what do we ask God? Uh, vile, 
Well, what are you talking about? Okay, I'm talking about, Lord, today, am I looking at things that are vile, vulgar, violent, vain, and valueless? That'll preach real well to a five-point Baptist message. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Martha said to mention that he has Grave Robber on sale right now at Karis Christian Books and Gifts. That's great. So the next one we go to is give us this day our daily bread. So here we want to know about having a holy appetite. A holy hunger for you, Lord. And Mm -hmm. I imagine myself... Jim, going through a hospital cafeteria line with a buffet tray, and the first thing I see is the bread, and I say, Lord, you're my bread of life in John 6. Put it on my tray. Next is the beverages. Lord, I don't need the soda pop. I don't need the energy drink. I need the living water. John 4, put it right on. Next one's my favorite, meat. Lord, Hebrews, uh, in Hebrews, talks put put the meat of the word. Then I put on the fruits. What are the fruits, my brother? Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, uh, faithfulness, self con- uh, gentleness, kindness, self control. Against that, there is no law. And then I got a problem. It's vegetable of the day, right? And it's broccoli. It's always broccoli. Now, this this is a great point, though. God gives us things that we don't ask for. I didn't ask for broccoli. Trust me, but He gives it to me anyway because He says, Stephen, just like your physical diet you need to eat things you don't like in my spiritual diet for you i'm giving you things you don't want take it and eat it and be glad and now my wife actually fixes broccoli a couple of times a month and i don't dislike it i'm allergic to it, it makes me sick so i got that brussels sprouts me. are kind of tough brussels sprouts dad if you're listening i can't believe you made me eat all those brussels sprouts growing up that and the spinach and the lima beans come yeah. on okay but we gotta move on. we gotta move faster Mm. All right, the next one is uh, Forgive Us Our Debts. This is the forgiveness room. Scrub room. Scrub room, okay, for, for the medical start. And this is where it starts. There's a lot of people who will go this part and say, give me. But then the Lord says, well, why don't you forgive so-and-so of that bitterness or anger or resentment that you have there? Oh, Lord, I'm not going to do that, you know. So we have to go in there and be able to be forgiving. Mm-hmm. We, we've done, we've been, we were blessed to go in and do the uh, uh, Celebrate Recovery with this lesson and Dana, when we got to uh, the forgive us, what we call the recovery room, we had more people come up afterwards because we said, you will never get through the situation you're in unless you could forgive that situation, that person. You won't recover from the situation. Mm. And not only that, the next one is, is as we forgive those who've debited against us. So therefore, it's the freedom room. You start, mm. And that's, that's where Steve and I had it with our situation. I had a tough situation with my stepfather, but I had my mentors who came along to me and said, you need to forgive him. And when I did, then everything changed. Mm. And that, that was one of the biggest things that I learned was to recognize that the bitterness and anger that I had in my heart in praying through that, that's where I received the most freedom mm-hmm. because that bitterness didn't hurt them. It was killing me. Right. What killed me was sometimes when I had to ask forgiveness of the people I was holding bitterness against when they're the ones that had wronged me. That was a tough challenge. But that's how your heart gets shaped towards the Lord. The next one is lead us not into temptation. We call this the protection room. You put on the armor at that point. You put on the, the shield of faith. You put on the armor so that you can go out here and fight the battle. You know, it's kind of interesting that, that the devil has power, but he does not have authority. Yeah, I, call that room that. The, I call that room the ER, the emergency room, because God will never give us. Go ahead. God will never give us. What we can't handle for temptation, but sometimes right. it becomes an emergency to say, Lord, I really need you right now. You've gone through a lot of rooms. You had two rooms left, Dana. Yep. Uh, but deliver us from evil. This is the warfare room. And Stephen calls it. Well, I call it the ER, the, the warfare pharmacy, room. The pharmacy room. The pharmacy, yeah. ERX, because 
Logos and right. Rima. This this right here is the Bible, is the whole Word of God. But when you're praying like this, the Lord can give you a rhema. It says, like in Matthew four four, it says, "Man shall not live by bread alone, by every word that proceeds, every every rhema that proceeds out of the Word of God." Sometimes He will give me a word specific to my situation because I'm praying to seek His face like this. Mm. Yeah, I know in the workplace, I love Luke five, and when Christ said, "Peter, put your nets out into the deep." That's a rhema word. I would say to them in my workplace, Lord, what, where do you want me to go? How deep do you want me to go? And I call this room the Rx because I come back to the medical terms and I say, Lord, I don't want your generic word today. I don't want the over-the-counter medicine. I want the, the specific word that you have for me today. Thank you, my Lord. And, and uh, people need to hear that. We'd slow it down just a second. Is that God cares about the intimate details of their lives, and He loves to get involved in their workplace. If we would only invite Him in, and a lot of people think, well, that's business, and this is church. How do those things apply? And that's the fault of the church as a whole because they're not really studying the Holy Scriptures because the Bible talks about the workplace and the ministry being inter- interlaced forever. But we need to just talk about. I mean, God really has answers for our daily walk how should we you know lord what's my assignment today in the office place how should i be doing this what what's your solution to this issue where should i go what are what are my core values i mean those things god really cares about that last room well the last room well no there's three other rooms yeah, but yeah. the actual wait a minute you said you only had two rooms well, I know. just expanded on me we, what? we did an add-on because the holy spirit <laughs> has not given me hospital medical terms for the last three rooms the right. kingdom room the power room the glory room we call that the but those aren't in the scriptures well, well, you got Matthew six and, and Luke eleven, right. but anyway, but it does. But it, okay, but when Jesus did the Lord's prayer, it didn't say, "In thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory." That's an add-on. Yeah. The other thing is, is the workplace is a battleground, not a playground. Yeah. Amen. That's why we have to be prepared Uh-oh. in the workplace to pray and to be the kind of Christians who are there, who others can call on in the workplace. Yeah, we ask employers to invite us into the workplace. We've gone in to do luncheons with them. We will show them how to do the prayer. We try their accountants. We try to adapt the lesson to them or their attorneys. Uh, we probably have taught this at our church 30 or 40 times, but we've gone to other churches. We've gone to non-denominational ones, other denominations. And we learn every time. And we well, learn sure, every okay, time. Okay, but did I miss the last room? I missed the last room. Went oh. for the prescription room. What's the last room? Well, it's actually then, you, for your, the, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory yeah. forever and ever. So we call it the kingdom room, the power room, the exaltation room. Okay, but you said there was one more room, and that's well, three. I, I call it the power room. Right. Oh, it's the power I, I call room. it the okay. power room, and what I'll say there is, Lord... I want, I'm praying today for the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit in me today. Or today, I don't need the five-hour energy drink. I need the 24-7 filling of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So that's Sometimes you've got to go in and set up an emergency generator, too. Okay? <laughs> so, I mean, that's the old electrical comeback with it. But uh, you've got to be able to do that. When you do that, that's the scriptures that you've memorized that you can pray when you don't have your Bible around or when you're driving or when you're in a meeting. And you're like, I don't want to be in this meeting at work. You're like, Lord... Give me your patience. Give me your wisdom. Give me your understanding. Give me your clarity. Give me discernment, Lord, on how I should respond and not react to this. All right. This has been a fantastic conversation. All I can do is just encourage my listeners to get a copy of Transforming Prayer by Daniel Henderson. Listen, if your life is, if your prayer life isn't transforming your heart, you need to learn how to have transforming prayer because that is really it, it, you're, it, you take your relationship with your Heavenly Father to the next level, it's through prayer it's through getting to know Him, learning to hear His voice and pray that, and, and if you're not quite sure we talk about being a Christ follower many different times we've mentioned that here, and, and you don't, you never hear me say the word Christian because that's so confusing for people I talk about Jesus Christ following 
If you don't know what that really means, just email me, jim at iworkforhim.com. I'd love to explain to you the good news. The good news is that Christ has already paid for the sin in your life and has made a provision for payment of that so that you can have a relationship with your Heavenly Father made possible through His death on the cross and His raising from the dead. And the power in that was the proof that Jesus raised Himself from the dead. And that's the Savior we serve, and that's the Savior we talk about talking to. Hey, I liked it, so email me, jim at iworkforhim.com, jim at iwork, the number four, him.com. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.